This is your host Shane with Radical Rocks. Today we've got a very exciting episode. We've got Mars news. We're going to talk about iron minerals, oxygen minerals. We're going to talk about some sad things in the news and so much more. Um, I want to thank you guys for tuning in. I want to thank you for joining our social media. We're on MeWe, Facebook, Parlor, uh, getting a little bit out there on Gitter. Also, we've got our YouTube channel, podcast on all the popular apps, and also a blog out there on Google. Just look up Radical Rocks, and you can find us on all your favorite uh, social medias that we just mentioned there. Okay, um, I hope you guys have been having a good first of your year. January here, we are through it already three quarters of the way. We've got a lot of exciting topics today. We hit on some of those. We'll talk about Mars, silver, new minerals discovered, oxygen minerals, iron minerals, minerals in your water, um, and some sad news as well. We also will go into some... Uh, metallurgical, I guess is the word, um, doing what metal does on silver today. If you wait to the end, we will talk about silver, some of the interesting things about silver, some of the facts about it that maybe you have not heard or have not heard in a while. So we will get into all that and so much more. Let's get right into it. There was a mysterious purple coating that was found on the Mars rock. Now, I always thought that uh, there would be something green over there. But it says the color pops out everywhere the Perseverance rover has looked and holds clues for the potential of the planet to hold ancient life. This is in National Geographic's um, at nationalgeographic.co.uk and a lot of times they don't don't let me get the article but this time they did this is by Maya Wea has or Haas perhaps and uh, they have a picture of the rover there going across the Martian soil they have pictures of the little holes that it's been drilling in the rocks taking their samples running it through a spectrograph but uh the one thing they have found on these smooth stones is uh, this color that forms, a purple. They said this color forms a thin, smooth coating on some stones and leaves paint-like blobs on others. It looks as if they've been partially frosted in a magenta icing, so says one of the geochemists there at the Los Alamitos National Library and they are showing pictures of this where you can see this interesting 
uh, coating of purple. Now I've looked at it, uh, some of the pictures. It's not like a uh, you know a purple rain. It's kind of a grayish color, uh, really. It says the color touches rocks of different shapes and sizes. Even tiny pebbles haven't escaped the pops of purple. Where did these coatings come from? They don't really have a good answer at this point. So they're still researching. Perhaps some of these samples come back. Uh, they will find out. It'll probably be some dangerous uh, bacteria that's been dormant when we bring it to the earth. Uh, giant monsters will take over the world, and that will be the end of humankind as we know it. Maybe. But the article does say that these mysterious splotches could reveal clues about Mars' past, including whether it hosted ancient life. Coatings could have formed. They could have encoded information about conditions and their chemical makeup, helping scientists reconstruct environments now long gone. They could hold more direct evidence of life. Who knows? This is their words, not mine. This painted in purple, as they call it, was found at the Jezero Crater. This is a 28-mile potmark or crater where they believe a meteorite impacted many, many, many years ago. They think could have been an ancient lake. They don't know. They, they thought they found proof, and then that was kind of misproven. So, you know, everything's up to the latest finding and uh, speculations and theories, basically. Theories based on these little tiny bits of evidence that they get. And you can read more about the article if you want. They go into it. They talk about some purple patches. Could be part of a sediment. Could be who knows what. They're going to have to study it more. They think that uh, purple could be something that grew and proves life. Iron oxides point to water, rust, things like this that they think they found. So... You just don't know. They keep talking about it and saying that it is a mystery. It is a mystery. It could be a microbial sunscreen. Now, if you've ever gone to the desert, the rocks get black. In some deserts, the rocks are all black. And this, this is commonly called varnish. And what it is, it's from the sun. And it creates a coating of, uh, I don't know what the coating is, but the Native Americans used to scratch the coating off so that they can make pictures and stuff on these rocks out in the desert and tell stories of their gods, their history, their hunting, and things like this. So this could be some sort of ancient microbe, microbial, who knows. I uh, will have to wait and see. So very interesting story. Um, Ignite the Night, Junior League Jumble and Mississippi Gym and Mineral Show you can go to jacksonfreepress.com at the jacksonfreepress.com. The article's there, and they said that uh, on the 12th, they had a fundraiser, and um, it was adults only, but it looks like they also had a junior night there, too, in Mississippi. So it uh, looks like you might have missed part of that, but it does say on the 26th and 27th of February... The Mississippi Gym and Mineral Show will host the 63rd Annual Gym and Mineral Fossil and Jewelry Show 
at the Mississippi Trademark at the Mississippi Fairgrounds in Jackson on Saturday, February 26th and 27th. So there'll be a lot of vendors and things like that. Should be fun. It says there is an admission of $7 for adults, 3 for students, 2 for scouts. Sounds like uh, a moneymaker. We'll see how that goes. Maybe somebody will let me know how that goes. A 10-year-old girl finds a wonderful discovery. A lot of times kids are finding these. There's a video on YouTube. If you go to 10-year-old, Fossil Hunter from Sashasquia makes a personal milestone discovery with her dad. She discovered a big uh, ammonite there, and this was in Canada, I believe. So very interesting. Let us look at some tragic news that happened in Guyana. Uh, this was at a mine, and a mining truck explosion kills at least 13 and wounds more than 100 people in Guyana. It's at the WashingtonPost.com. You can read this article, if you like, by Danielle Piquita. And this uh, building or truck, it says a motorcycle crashed into a truck carrying mining explosives to western Guyana, uh, Guyana, igniting a huge explosion, leveled dozens of buildings, killed at least 13 people, and wound over 100. 77 people reportedly by a policeman on Friday have been injured. The whole community is gone. Wow, what a tragedy. After moving away rubble and things like that, um, they are slowly opening the schools and things like that. Very sad. Too bad. Uh, mining town Bagosa is where it happened. And uh, I don't know if there's foul play in this. The governor, uh, governmental people are saying this is unfortunate and tragic incident. The president also tweeted, I extend on behalf of the governor, government, deep condolences to the family of the deceased and wish the injury a, the injured a speedy recovery. So this isn't the first time they've had explosions. In 2015, 150 people died at a gas station leak and explosion. Yike. Um, but I don't know if there's anything else with a mine. There was explosions in Niger and Tanzania that claimed in 2019 165 lives. And of course, Kenya there was some 13, and we know in the, the jade mining area, there's been lots of people killed there by flooding and dam breaking, um, dams that would hold the silk and stuff back. So mining can be very, very dangerous, friends. Um, be careful uh, if you are ever around them. There's a mineral show to take note of. This was published on the 21st. So let's see. What is today? I think today, hopefully it isn't over. It might have been this weekend. The 25th East Annual Texas Gym and Mineral Show. Uh, there's a video here. You go to kltv.com and look up Panning for Gold Technique shared at Tyler Gym and Mineral Show. they got a video there where they show you how to do gold panning. By the way, we've got a great video. I've got a top-secret gold pan that... Was I inherited from my great-grandfather. I show you how to make one, what benefit it is, and we go over some basic gold panning. I've got a couple videos where we actually went out and went gold prospecting, and um, they're kind of fun if you want to check those out on YouTube. But 
that that show the admissions five dollars for adult one dollar for children free for scouts in uniform take that mississippi where you're charging two dollars for scouts right a uh, little competition there and they're not given the exact date uh where gotta be here somewhere i'm not seeing it i'm not seeing the exact date well you know what i will check their link real quick here and see if something pops up let's see four reasons why you want to take note of what kind of water you drink have you ever thought about minerals in your water you know you know you can mine gold out of seawater and out of some water you can mine all kinds of minerals out of water that's a pretty cool discussion but this says four reasons why you should pay attention to the quality of the water you drink by yuba kane at toysmatrix.com you can check out this story if you want we'll we'll look at a little bit of it um clean water is very important for proper kidney function and general good health now hard water versus soft water hard water is hard because it's absorbed minerals and according to the u.s department of energy about 75 percent of american households have pretty hard water how do you clean the water? Well, you could boil it, but that uses a lot of energy. Then you've got to capture it. Um, you can use water softeners. There's a plug here for a water softener company. Um, but what does hard water do that we know of for sure? Well, it can cause dry skin and dry hair and make your scalp dry and itchy. Um, also, <clears throat> it's less effective barrier against hazardous germs and illnesses and eczema sufferers may be particularly susceptible. So just think about these minerals. I'm certain some minerals are good for you, but uh, if they're making your skin dry and they're making your hair brittle, don't you think that other parts of your body are going to get dry and brittle? What if your heart gets brittle? You know, you could have a bad vein you know, issue. You could have leakage. You could have hardening of the arteries, right? Possibly. I don't know if the same hardness in water will do that, but it just stands to reason that if it's messing with your skin, the biggest organ of your body, that it would mess with other organs as well. It's going to make your kidneys work harder, that's for sure. Clean water helps your kidneys to get nice and clean. So there is a need to think about filtration, but what about the chemicals and stuff that are in there? You know, we think about the metals and things like that, fluoride, uh, whether it's healthy or not healthy. I mean, all these things are worth considering. The pH value is even something to think about. Um, so next time you take a drink of water, think about the rocks and minerals that are in that and uh, if that's a good thing or a bad thing. Now let's go back. I think, okay, annual gemstone and jewelry show. Uh, they have a link here at etgms.org, and I still don't see the darn date here. Um, you can click if you want to register. What else? Okay, here it is. It was this last weekend, the 23rd, so we might have missed that already at the Tyler Rose Garden Center. So there you go. Sometimes they just tell you about it like during the weekend, and then 
I just I'm not able to get it out there earlier. They should be putting these out a lot earlier. Okay. So we went through water. Okay, so what holiday is coming up next, guys? We made it through Christmas. We made it through Thanksgiving. If you celebrate another holiday, uh, Kwanzaa, Hanukkah, one of those, you made it through that. So that's, you know, good times, right? So that's a good thing. So what's the next one coming up? Valentine's Day. This is the Olympics for all boyfriends and husbands. Uh, You are competing if your wife works in a secular world, all her friends, her family, they're all going to want to know what she got and what a loser you are or what a great guy you are. So uh, what are you or do you care? Um, I guess I care, but I don't care when it comes to Valentine's Day. I'm kind of like uh, if I'm doing very good financially, then, you know, there's going to be a good gift. But hey, guys, we're lapidary. We're rock hounds. We got to step up on this Valentine's Day. We could make a gift for our beloved. We could make a, a nice pennant or a cabochon. Or we could just get a rock or a mineral and drill a hole through it with a diamond bit and a dremel. And put a wire through it. And a nice chain that we could buy and make something very affordable. Or we could get fancy and learn how to possibly set a stone. They're not that hard. This is something you can learn to do. I've done it. I'm not a you know rocket scientist. I figured out this stuff, a lot of it on my own, and some of it with help from rock gym and mineral clubs and fellow lapidarius and rock hounds. You could do the same thing. This article here, Jim's uh, New York or jimsny.com, says top 10 gifts for Valentine's Day. I'm going to give you a few gifts. Sorry, got to have a swig of coffee. I'm going to give you some gift ideas. All right, they say number one is plants. Of course, that includes flowers. Two is perfumes. Uh, four is pets. Five is health and beauty products. Six, uh, reasons why you love your beloved. Seven's the best one, gemstones. Eight, books, chocolates, wines. Nine, aromatic candles. And ten, your precious time. So let me just give you my male chauvinist uh impression of these top 10. Okay, plants. Plants are great when you first meet someone. You don't know, you know, if this is going to work out, how long lasting it will be because plants die, right? But, uh, you know, flowers die, plants die, but they're beautiful. It's a great way to start the love relationship. Perfume. I would never buy perfume because you never know how it's going to smell on someone. I personally don't like a lot of perfume. It irritates me. I think uh, people wear perfume because they stink and they want to smell better. Maybe maybe that's a little harsh. But I always heard that makeup was for people that were ugly and perfume was for people that stink. Not that I believe that, but perfume has been one that just kind of bothers me. Because, you know, if you put on just a little bit, it could be very pleasant. But a lot of people put on way too much, and I can't stand it. It makes me sick. I got to leave. I can't be in a car with them or in a small room. I can't go into those places that sell all the soaps. And I mean, I just, my nose starts running. It makes me sick. I hate it. But something very light and enjoyable can be wonderful. And so if you know what type of perfume she loves, that might be a safe bet. Pets. Man, unless you know that this is what your sweetie has wanted for a long time, 
Yeah, you better be careful on that one. Health and beauty products, basically you're saying, hey, you're out of shape and you need to look better. I would never buy my sweetie a health and beauty product for, um, uh, unless it was like a spa treatment, you know, like something to pamper you, right? Something that she'd been asking for a lot. I, w- I wouldn't do it. The reasons you love them, you, man, you better include that with whatever you bring, right? You better let them know why you love them. You better have it on the card. Um, books, chocolates, and wine. I think those are really nice uh, bets, especially if you know if they like wine, I guess. Uh, aromatic candles. I don't know. I don't think that's a great gift. Some people love candles. The paraffin that burns off the candles can be hazardous and unhealthy. Um, but now with the soy and things like that, different healthier candles... A candle could be nice, I guess. Not really my idea. Your precious time. You know what? This is included with Valentine's Day. You better give some time to your sweetie on Valentine's Day. Take them out to dinner. If you got kids like I do and you can never get away, then you better you better give them a rain check. You better tell them you're going to give them a rain check and make up for it later. All right, so jewelry. All kinds of jewelries, right? There's bracelets, there's rings, there's necklaces, there's anklets, there's finger rings, toe rings, pennants, brooches, things for the hair, belt buckles, um, you name it. All kinds of beautiful jewelry. I think if it's handcrafted by you, it's even better. Gemstones, some of the favorite varieties to choose from according to this article at uh, Gems ny.com is a sapphire ruby emerald yellow sapphire morganite aquamarine uh, taserite tanzanite pink sapphire peridot alexandrite and spinel red spinel like rubies so red is a, a very popular color and then pink is also just as popular with the morganite and the pink sapphire pink is a big winner so you've got four different uh, reddish and pink ones in here i was surprised to see uh, several different green colors, travertine, emerald, and also peridot. And then uh, blue, you had sapphire and aquamarine, tanzanite, which is a purple, and then uh, three green, emerald, peridot, and alexandrite. They have a, a green one here, but you can get blue, green. It has a color change. A really good gift. I think alexandrite is a spectacular stone, and uh, yeah. I really love it. I think that would be a good one. But Morganite, it would be especially beautiful. But be careful because this is considered a um, engagement ring stone. So if you break out a Morganite, uh, don't be a ring. Don't be surprised if your sweetie is expecting a proposal to pop up next. All right, giving you the inside scoop here, folks. Next. Unlimited lithium. This is a great discovery. Our friends in Sweden, it looks like a pegmatite finding has happened. A couple of them. And this is the Bergby project in Sweden. Ongoing drilling. They have, uh, this is, uh, you know, kind of a forward-looking article on JuniorMiningNetwork.com. And United Lithium discovers two new lithium-rich pegmatites at Berg. Bergby Project Sweden, an ongoing drilling project by Michael Dean, and he talks about this nice, nice finding. 
happened in 2021. Also another finding, I think it was 2017, where they drilled and found this in this pegmatite, uh, which is kind of like a cone, you know, like where all this activity happened and came up and usually have a lot of nice gemstones. Sometimes uh, tourmaline and aquamarine and different gemstones will show up in these pegmatites. Beautiful gemstones can be found in pegmatite um, dikes or, or cones or whatever you want to call them, deposits. Um, so pretty interesting. Congratulations to our friends out there in uh, Sweden. Hopefully something good comes from this. Next, Rock Liberian. This rock librarian at inlive.com tells us about an interesting mystery mineral that was discovered. We talked about it. It was found in a historic adventure mine in Greenland, Michigan. And Emily Bigham is the one who writes about this. And you can see this beautiful blue mineral forming on this rock. Accordingly to the article, the mine was flooded for many, many years and was dried, and then they found this mineral. But it's not identified with anything known. So this librarian here is kind of going over the basic physical properties that could be used to identify common minerals in the field. We've talked about this quite a bit. If you look at some of my first videos on YouTube, we go through how to identify different gemstones, and we actually do it. We go through and we get the color. How do you get the color? You take the back of a piece of a porcelain, which is kind of porous, like an old tile or something, um, tile for tiling the floor, and you streak the material across it and look at the color. That gives you some indication of what it might be. There's the shape and the structure or crystal form that uh, might let you know what it is, how it breaks apart. Does it break like glass? Does it just break to powder? Does it crack all hacky? Does it snap right in half? All these things are important. Specific gravity. Um, this is where you weigh this material with its own weight against uh, the buoyancy of it in water. The more higher the specific gravity, the heavier it will be even in water. Gold having a very high specific gravity. Pumice having almost none, right? So that's due to its denseness, how dense it is. Luster, is it shiny, is it dull, is it gritty, is it glassy? Is it magnetic? Is it fluorescent? Uh, can you get a Geiger counter to go off on it? <coughs> smell, uh, sulfur has a smell, right? Some minerals have a smell. Taste, don't taste them because what if it's arsenic? You could die, right? So you definitely don't want to taste it. Um, other ways of determining the chemical composition can be using acids and different testing kits, um, electrolysis, and other uh, spectrometer. All sorts of testing things can be done. So this librarian is basically bringing these points uh, to the surface for us to discuss and talk about. All right. We talked about the 10-year-old. What about oxygen in our mineral world? What does that mean? Well, in Rock and Jim, they send me emails. I talk about this all the time. And they have talked about oxygen and our mineral world. Secondary minerals are of primary interest to collectors. They have a beautiful picture of a purple uh, azurite crystallized 
uh, mineral specimen. And they talk about oxygen and a time in the earth that they believe there was not a lot of oxygen at that time. That's when the sulfites were reigning in the geological formation of the earth, according to this article. And, you know, if you're a gold bug, sulfites are really important for mineral discoveries and mineral uh, to be likely there. So that happened. But then they feel that at some point these oxygens began to proliferate. This could have been through uh, bacterias, through uh, what they call a cyanobacteria. This bacteria is a single-celled form of life they call simple, but the article explains that these forms of life are nothing but simple, very complex, but they are much more simple than inorganic mineral compounds. So some of these things, uh, when oxygen combines with aluminum, it creates a gorgeous red gem, ruby corundum. So oxygen is important. These <coughs> cyanobacterias are very special and unique and are key to the production of free atmospheric oxygen and they form in warm, shallow waters where solar energy was available. And this made this cyanobacteria process that could produce this oxygen, much like the process plants do, called photosynthesis. So what kind of uh, oxygen-based minerals does the article talk about? And what colors do we see from this? Well, there is... Forms of banded iron oxides, which oxide is the oxygen part, iron is the iron part, that have yellow, orange, red, black, banded rocks, colors and swirling, curvy patterns, beautiful, huge deposits of iron oxide um, with free oxygen combined with available iron and now mined in the United States, China, and Australia, and elsewhere with these banded iron oxides. Now, what other rocks do we have? Well, what about Herkimer diamonds? Yes, those are with oxygen. Oxygen is an important chemical component to all uh, gorgeous green African dopsite specimens. Very beautiful. Also, quartz and uh, elbite. Uh, el elbite both depend on oxygen for their chemical development. Also, you have valuable gemstones such as the emerald, a secondary mineral of um, beryllium, aluminum, silicon, and oxygen. So there's all sorts of wonderful things that oxygen has uh, created and is, is within these minerals. A beautiful metal-rich deposit, especially ones with several different types of metal sulfites, occur where weathering has penetrated deeply into the earth, become a host to a variety of fine secondary minerals. Some of these sources are Nambia, Arizona, uh, Cornwall, England, Mexico, and other uh, areas, of course. So lots of things are happening. Secondary minerals, such as calcium carbonic or calcite, also have uh, a lot of uh, this uh, beautiful metal-rich deposits, and it says here, mostly secondary mineral sources have one oxide or a secondary mineral zone, um, which 
there's one called the Tsubin, which has three oxide zones and yields a marvelous variety and quality of secondary mineral species or specimens for us collectors. Bisbee is known for beautiful specimens of copper carbonics such as azurite, malachite, copper oxide, coparite, uh, and 300 other types of copper um, species because copper by itself lacks oxygen. So the secondary mineral is derived from these primary mineral um, calcopyrite and oxygen uh, infiltration. Other uh, secondary beautiful uh, secondary minerals are the arsenic family. Bright yellow needle-like crystals of zinc arsenate are um, show forms of arsenic and iron and forms of oxygen. So it's a really good article. If you want to check it out and read all the details, you can uh, just subscribe to their magazine or go to rock, the letter N, and Jim, backslash oxygen hyphen, the word and hyphen, R hyphen, mineral hyphen, world backslash, and you can read all about it. Next, what are iron minerals? Again, another free article from our friends at Rock and Jim. There is a lot of iron in our history. Some iron minerals are magnetite, lodestone. They are attracted to a magnet. Iron metals like uh, siderite and hematite are not affected by a magnet because the iron in them is combined with a mineral compound that is different from magnetite and therefore is not magnetic. Now, forming these minerals is the composition of the protons and the electrons, and uh, they need some sort of a cation. This cation is what collects them together and gives up its electrons to form minerals. Ion, uh, iron rather, does this and is positively charged as a result. Uh, it goes on to talk more about negative charged metal oxygen, how it joins positively charged ion to form a mineral compound. And there's all these different compounds and minerals that can be magnetic magnetite to non-magnetic hematite to the siderite and infintium and even rust. All of these are iron. What are iron minerals? Well, iron-like uh, mag magnetite is a natural magnet. Magnetite is usually black. Uh, it can be found many places around the world. It usually forms in these 12-sided, uh, uh, oct I guess it's octahedrons. They're an octagon-type shaped crystal or cube. And there is a lot of examples of these that can be found in Millard County, Utah, and other places around the world. Um, this was used for navigation, <coughs> uh, sometimes called lodestone, which the article says load means journey. So the lodestone would be put on, um, used in a compass and help them find magnetic north and therefore help them find their way across the ocean. So there's a lot of early uh, history about iron and lodestone where it was used uh, in the BCE, 2nd BCE, uh, used in China, uh, used in Europe, used in the Bible um, lands. So there's a lot of different history on iron and, and how it was uh, used and developed. 
and the core of the earth is thought to have many, many dense minerals that uh, are super heavy and dense like iron, and they do come to the surface from time to time. So the article also talks more about the crust formation and uh, iron oxide deposits that are mined in Australia, Alabama, Minnesota, and elsewhere uh, that's quite interesting to read about. Some of these are magnetic as well. So if you want to find out more about that, you can go to rockandjim.com backslash what hyphen r hyphen iron hyphen minerals backslash and you can get all that great information. So guys, if you've hung with us till now, I want to thank you again, again for supporting our social media. We're almost up to a thousand subscribers on our YouTube channel. And now we're going to go into silver. Silver uh, was known as Argent Argentum or Argentum. I'm probably saying that wrong, but uh, it was used uh, as it was found in nature, raw. So it would be black, but when they would hit it, or shine it, it would be clean, and it would show the silver color. So they started to mine it. Um, sometimes they would use copper or other metals to make it harder as an alloy. Um, but the more of these other alloys that you introduce into the silver, the less shiny it will be when you polish it. The melting point of silver is 1,761 degrees Fahrenheit or 960.5 degrees Celsius. The hardness is 2.5. Specific gravity is 10.5. If you remember gold, the specific gravity for that, it was 19.45. So it's almost half as dense as gold, but it's still pretty darn heavy. Sterling silver's 0.925. Uh, decimal point percent, uh, 100% silver. And the melting point of that is a little lower than pure silver, would be 1640. And uh, specific gravity, about the same, about 10.5. So sterling is alloy most commonly used in jewelry making and silversmithing. This was adopted as a standard alloy, alloy in England during the 12th century, during King Henry II's time. And also, this was uh, refined in the area of Germany known as Easterling. So, therefore, the word Sterling, Easterling. The product they made was a consistent quality and was used as currency by the year 1300 when it was known as Easterling silver. Coin silver uh, contains more copper, about 10 to 20 percent, than Sterling melts at lower temperatures in sterling, and is more likely to tarnish. A 90% alloy was used in U.S. coins until 1966, they say. Um, I don't know that that's accurate. They used them until 1964, and then they put them in 50-cent pieces for some time, um, but less, about 35% was silver. But I guess of the silver that was on those coins, I guess that part of it might have been the 90%. An alloyed Popular in the Far East, uses about 90 to 93% silver with the balance of zinc. It has a low melting point and very bright white shine. There's a lot of alternative alloys now. If you go to some of the jewelry supply, uh, especially Rio Grande, they have one. I think they call it uh, Artillion or Argillion, and it has a nickel. It doesn't uh, tarnish as much. It is a little darker silver color. So they use... Oxides such as uh, tin, 
uh, germanium, zinc, platinum. Platinum would be expensive. I doubt they use that very often. The strength of fine silver has a hardness of Vickers 26, a tensile strength of 9 tons per square inch. A cold working increases the hardness to a Vickers strength of 95 to 100. Tensile strength of 20 to 22 tons per square inch. So when you have silver, you may want to harden it. If you harden it, basically you work harden it. You beat it, you bend it, it's going to get harder, it's going to get brittle, and uh, can even crack if it is super hard and uh, not annealed. To harden silver, you can heat a finished piece to 570 degrees Fahrenheit or 300 degrees Celsius, hold it at that temperature for at least one hour, air cool. Pure metals like copper and fine silver cannot be heat hardened because the arrangement of the alloyed ingredients that contribute to the hardness. So heat hardening is time consuming. You basically have to bake it. Um, you have to be careful what kind of stone is in it. In practice, tumbling with steel shot is more, com uh, more commonly used to harden jewelry. This kind of makes it work hardened and then you're done. Uh, Argerian is a condition caused by the ingestion of silver evidenced by a blue to gray skin color. So when you hear about drinking silver colloidal, you drink too much of it, you might turn blue or gray. And um, yes, it's still sold as a, a cure. The Food and Drug Administration is prohibiting sellers of colloidal silver uh, from making claims about it helping your health. Now, I know it does, it is a microbial, microbial and will kill uh, bacteria and things like that at certain levels. You'd have to research that to find out more about it if you want. Electrolyte cleaning. So if you want to do some electrolyte cleaning, um, there is a way to do it in your kitchen that can be safe to remove the tarnish from flatware and uh, hollowware. You take a pot lined with aluminum foil. You mix a solution of equal parts baking soda, salt, and liquid soap a quarter cup of each to a gallon of water, and then put the sterling silver in there, bring the mix to a simmer, and allow it to stand for 10 to 20 minutes as the oxides are transferred to the aluminum, which you can see as it gets darker. Throw that away, wash the silver before using it. That is a way of cleaning it. So guys, that is going to conclude today's exciting episode. Thank you for tuning in with me. Thank you for being part of Radical Rocks community. We really appreciate your support, even if it's just subscribing, liking, and sharing, um, or going to our YouTube channel and signing up. You can look us up very easily. Just go to Radical Rocks, uh, and when you go to YouTube, look us up. You'll find us. Guys, I want to thank you, and remember, rock hounds don't die. They petrify. <laughs>